Hi there, and welcome to my Fashion Stories Box podcast, a podcast about stories in fashion history. I am Catherine, and I'm so glad to welcome you here. Let's discover together interesting facts about fashion and history, and fashion history. September. When I was a kid, I loved the back-to-school period. Buying new pens, notebooks, new clothes, the smell of the school books, it felt regenerating in a sense. It was September, meaning still smelling summer with its warm days and sun, but with this freshness in the air and shorter days, announcing autumn and then winter. Growing up, September started to sound more like a second new year with this starting a fresh feeling, as if you had a second chance to make your New Year resolutions a reality. And this more and more nowadays, as I am now a lecturer in a fashion school, preparing my own back to school for my students and also for my business. So for this back to school episode, I decided to look at an element associated with this period of the year, the school uniform. We will talk about the origins of the school uniforms, why students started to wear them, We will also see how they became a status symbol and a sign of distinction. We will look at the differences between boys' uniforms and girls' uniforms. We will see the cultural differences of wearing or not wearing a school uniform with a short case study between the English practices and the French ones. And finally, we will see how the school uniform became a part of the pop culture and is regularly reinterpreted by haute couture designers. Let's go! School uniforms. Well, it's difficult to read date back when the very first school uniform has been implemented, and before diving in the possible origins, I'd like to define what is a school uniform first. So, a school uniform is, as its name states it, a uniform worn by students when they go to a school or to any other educational institutions. So can we say that a school uniform is a kind of dress code? Well, this is a big debate among scholars. However, even if quite similar in what they achieve, they are a bit different. Let me explain you. In his book, Uniforms and Non-Uniforms, Communication Through Clothing, published in 1986 and in which he examines how clothing works in a variety of social contexts to enhance norms, maintain institutional power, identify group membership, and express or suppress individuality. The scholar Nathan Joseph states that clothing can only be considered as a uniform when it quote, serves as a group emblem, certifies an institution's legitimacy by revealing individuals' relative positions and suppresses individuality, unquote. That's the reason why we talk about uniforms in the army, for example. No expression of individuality encouraged there, on the contrary. While dress codes are a set of rules regarding what type of clothing a group of people must wear depending on the situation. When I was working for a consulting firm in Moscow, I had to work on dress code rules I would present to new employees of the company during their inductions uh, week. From the colors, types of sh- shoes, clothes and accessories, it was 
all about how the image of the company and consequently its respectability would be visually vehiculated through its employees. It was a business dress code, but you have other examples of dress codes. Another one would be the black tie dress code or cocktail dress dress code. And I don't know if it happened to you, but a few years ago, a couple of friends got married and imposed some colors they guessed hats to wear at their wedding. So we still talk about some restrictions or limitations, but we have more room to express our individuality with dress codes than with uniforms. Let's now come back to our school uniforms, this closing students wear to go to school, and let's try to understand how it started. It is believed that school uniforms started to appear during the 16th century in Great Britain, but the earliest documented proof found on a standard academic dress is older than that and comes from the Archbishop of Canterbury in 1222 which issued an order according to which people studying there had to wear what we call the Kappa Clausa. The Kappa Clausa is a robe-like outfit looking a bit like the cave fastened in the front, as the ones monks would wear, or if you are a fan of Harry Potter, as the Hogwarts capes. It takes its origin in the monastic world as If you remember well your historical lessons, during the Middle Ages in Europe, only people part of the clergy had access to education. Then, in 1552, the Christ Hospital School in London would have been the first educational institution to implement a generic clothing for their students. The school took fatherless children and other poor children from the parish and educated them. And it was the people of London who would provide the children of the school with clothes, including a long blue coat. And this practice led and these charity schools to be nicknamed blue coat schools. Quite strong in Great Britain, the Kappa Clausa evolved into collegian uniforms, especially in charity schools where the uniform dress was provided to children from poor backgrounds and enabled to afford clothes at all. Over time, the monastic-inspired outfit started to be used by primary schools, secondary schools and universities as a way to display the social class belonging and the status of the wearer. Here, it's quite interesting to see how this practice, born out of the will to erase social differences, became in fact a status symbol. According to Alexander Davinson, historian and author, quotes, uniforms give school a sense of identity and cohesion. When some aspects of the society have become much less certain, uniforms suggest schools are here to provide certainty and order. A thought more or less shared by Henry Gibbs, creator and manager of the British Schools Museum, who says, There is an economic aspect to many schools' decision to adopt uniform. It brings equality to the clothes children wear in school, regardless of how wealthy their parents are. Unequality inside an elite, nevertheless. By wearing a certain school uniform, you showcase your social belonging or aspirational social belonging. Just take the example of Kate Middleton, who 
a commoner, studied with Prince William and who would one day become the Queen, meaning the wife of the King of England. As we just saw, school uniforms are more things from English-speaking countries, starting Great Britain to spread in their colonies. But what about France? Can we talk about the school uniform tradition here? Well, I asked my parents about it, and my mother recalls that for my first day at preschool, she made me wear overalls to protect my clothes, as it was what she was wearing in primary school as a child. And if we look at old pictures, indeed, you can see children wearing overalls in classes. However, can we really talk about a school uniform? During the monarchy, children would study in schools controlled by the church or for richer families, they would have a private tutor directly at home. Remember that education wasn't accessible to everybody at that time. It would become mandatory for everybody, no matter the social class, only in 1882. But I will come back to this a bit later. So, in our situation, church schools or private tutors at home meant no school uniforms were required. During the 17th century, we see appearing an equivalent of uniforms in private high schools composed of a jacket and a cassock, you know, the long dress worn by priests. It looked more like an ecclesiastical uniform than really a school uniform per se. The same during the 18th century. Education was still controlled by different religious orders with a very strict discipline, and it was free. Students from different social backgrounds would wear a dark uniform inspired by the men's fashion of the time with a long coat and a hat. Young businessmen to be, in a sense. But still... Not a school uniform used as a way to create order, discipline, or sense of identity and cohesion so dear to the British philosophy. By the end of the 18th century, we would see emerging a kind of school uniform in some private high schools, which would act more as boarding schools for children from higher social classes. For them, the school uniform would take its inspiration from the army uniform of the time, as a way to guarantee here the discipline and the respect of the hierarchy. From an ecclesiastical uniform to an army uniform inspiration, you can almost see the evolution of the French education and society through the way students would get dressed, first dominated by the church and then by the army. Well, it's because we would enter a period of conquest and wars with the Empire, Napoleon, and the Napoleonian Wars. Like it or not, Napoleon had a big influence on how the current French society and its rules are, maybe more than the French Revolution. With the law of the 1st May 1802, college, we say lycée in French, were created. The education received there wasn't controlled by the church anymore and was really inspired by the military discipline. Students in this lycée had to wear a special uniform composed of blue trousers and a jacket with a collar and a lapel in a sky blue color. Until 14 years old, young boys had to wear a kind of round hat and then a bicon hat. The buttons had to be in a yellow metal. 
very army-like, isn't it? And if you watch the military parade of the 14th of July and the Champs-Élysées, you will see school parading in similar uniforms. One year later, in 1803, a regulation for primary schools imposed a uniform composed of trousers and frock coat in green with white buttons. Contrary to the English schools, which could personalize their school uniforms according to their own branding, we could say nowadays, the French practice was to have the same components for every school, the only differentiation being done between primary and secondary schools, as we just saw. Girls also had their schools. The first one was created by Madame de, Mont de Maintenon and Louis XIV, which was called the Maison Royale de Saint-Louis in Saint-Cyr, not far from Paris, and founded in 1686 to educate young noble girls whose families didn't have money. These first schools for girls would inspire Napoleon to create the Maison d'Education de la Légion d'Honneur, so the education house of the Legion of Honor, which was accessible to poor young girls or young girls who lost their parents during the wars and who deserved the Legion of Honor. Female students in this school had to wear a uniform composed of a navy blue dress with a white collar and a ribbon belt worn as a baldric. Then, by the end of the 19th century, in 1882, during the Third Republic, Jules Ferry, who was a French statesman, made the school secular, meaning no control from the church, and mandatory for everybody boys and girls included, from 6 to 13 years old. Due to the cost linked with them, school uniforms weren't imposed in the schools of the Republic. Not everybody would have had the money to buy one for their children. In class, students were wearing overalls or an apron to protect, to protect their clothes. This practice would last until the generation of my parents during the 60s and a bit of the 70s. Thus, the behavior of my mother when I went to preschool, end of the 80s. And during the 20th century, if you were studying in a public school in France, apart from overalls or aprons, no school uniforms were required. The only exception was for private schools. As for England, the goal of uniforms in private schools was to be distinguished as a student from a private school, completely different from public school. Cohesion, certainty, order, equality between people from different social classes. These are the main arguments for uniform, school uniforms. But what about gender equality? You might have in mind the pleated miniskirts in tartan prints young Japanese, young Japanese students wear as a cliché. And indeed, school uniforms also cover gender symbolism. In the different schools where uniforms are mandatory, you can see that they will provide trousers for boys and skirts or dresses for girls. This closing differentiation from primary school reinforced the gender ident identification. Trousers equal boys, skirts equals girls, and consequently their future role in the society, according to their sex. The trousers parts of the boys' uniform would be a training for their future business life and would remind the professional businessmen they are expected to become at the end of their studies. 
while the skirt worn by the girls associated with femininity is seen as a less comfortable garment, preventing girls from their from their freedom of movement, in a sense, forcing them to be more sedentary and to do more, more sedentary activities, not to mention being cold during winters. Critics towards imposing or not school uniforms state that the school uniform imposes a certain standard of masculinity and femininity from a young age, formatting children their future position in the society. Some go even further by saying that uniforms are used by schools and indirectly by the government and society in order to control how students should behave and to promote a conventional gender repartition through dress. For or against school uniforms, equality against individuality, establishment against rebellion, order, security, cohesion. You have many arguments for and against the school uniforms. Looking at the school uniforms and its history, it's also looking at the school system in different countries, its influences, the region, the army, and its evolution. School uniforms, as we saw, have different meanings, played different roles in the society, and are full of symbolism, even today. The school uniform now is more associated with private schools, wealth, and a certain position in the society. For those having to wear it, the school uniform becomes a way to challenge the social implications it has. Even if mandatory in some private schools, the uniform becomes a way to express individuality and creativity, also a way to rebel against the establishment by using the same tools as the establishment. For example, very short hemlines for skirts, for skirts or dresses, an overdose of accessories, designer bags, unfastened ties, unbuttoned shirts, and so on. All the ways are possible for the young generations wearing the school uniforms to re-question and challenge the cohesion and order implemented by this outfit. And this led even to the apparition of subcultures as in Japan, another country where uniforms and school uniforms are really part of the tradition, with the Kugiara, a fashion subculture movement customizing mandatory school uniforms as a way to rebel against the establishment and to express individuality. However, this doesn't prevent school uniforms to be seen or considered as has-been or outdated. On the contrary, they even became a mainstream attire that even students, and especially girls, not having to wear them, will wear somehow inspired by real school uniforms. Just look at mainstream series as Gossip Girls, for example, which is a good example of the establishment and in the same time the rebellion against the establishment. Just look at how Blair and Serena accessorize their mandatory uniforms with high-end brands, transforming the school uniform into a high-fashion one associated with prestige and class. Far from the charity and ecclesiastical aspect of their ancestors, right? Other examples would be Shehorowitz, wearing a plaid skirt suit in the Serie Clueless. You also have Rachel Green in France, and how not to mention Britney Spears in the video clip of her song Baby One More Time, making school uniforms a sexy one. 
School uniforms are now part of the pop culture. They are popular for as many reasons as you have in as you have individuals, I guess. And they remain a true source of inspiration for back to school collections with pleated skirts, long socks, sweaters with the name of famous most of the time American universities. And fashion designers and the haute couture segment are not left out, neither, and would regularly take inspiration from the main cliches linked to the school uniforms, as the pleated miniskirts, tartan prints, navy blue colors, buttoned-up shirts, logoed sweaters, and so on. Designers as Chanel in their Spring Ready to Wear 1994 collection, Moschino in their Fall Winter 2013 collection, Yves Saint Laurent in their Fall Winter 2014 collection, or Prada in the Spring Summer 2019 collection made it even more sexy and modernized the school uniform to make it a must-have element of any respectable fashionista's wardrobe at the best-to-school period. A long way from our monastic kappa clauser, right? So, for or against school uniforms? And what back-to-school outfits are you going to wear? More a Blair Waldorf or a Senna van der Wutzen? Or maybe a Britney Spears? Let me know! Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my Fashion Stories Box podcast dedicated to the school uniform and its history. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast to connect with me on Instagram and Facebook and to have a look at my blog to complete the podcast with some visuals. And if you like my podcast, feel free to leave a comment or a review. I would really appreciate it. I am Catherine and this is my Fashion Stories Box podcast a podcast about stories in fashion history. See you next time for a new fashion story box. Bye.